Well, good morning. You know, I was uh, I was coming to uh, church this morning, and God always speaks to me when I come on Sunday in the atmosphere. I just kind of I don't know why, but I'll see things, and God will just give me a little message, a little word. And and today, you know, there was no clouds. There appeared to be just blue sky, and yet the silhouette of the mountain was so enhanced probably because of the, the fires that we need to constantly be praying for around here. But, but it was so enhanced, and it was like God spoke to me. It was so clear that I, when I first got here, I ran to the, uh, I didn't run. I never run. I walked. I walked to the wall. Let's just be honest. Running will make you fat. Have you seen all the fat people running lately? I mean, it's just like they, they were thin, and then all of a sudden they got fat. I, that's what happened to me. But anyway, it's going to happen to you too. Let me tell you right now. You run all the time. But... Um, but anyway, God spoke to me. I saw that mountain silhouette, and this is what he said. I, I ran to the wall. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. And he said, um, he said, the mountain silhouette is a shadow of what is to come. Be faithful and diligent. Influence will rise to new heights. And when I, when I just had that, that word from him, it was just so clear, so pronounced. And the, one of the things that we do, we, we do so many things here at Influence Church, but the one thing that we need to ask ourselves and and this is really an important piece of it, is why? Why do we do the what? And the why is so important because when you, when you start with the why, then what we do makes a lot of sense, right? So when you ask why do we fast, I think we've been on, this is, we're going to start a fast on September 15th, another 21-day fast. People say, are we fasting again? Yeah, we're going to do it again in, in February, too. I mean, it's, so it's just get used to it. But I think this is our 10th fast. So that means we fasted as a church 210 days. That's about nine months. So we fasted nine months out of our history. And you say, why do we do that? It's not, is it because it's comfortable? No, it's really not comfortable. Well, why do we do it? Because we believe that fasting, as prescribed in the Scriptures, is an accelerator for our spiritual journey. That some things happen during a fast that don't happen during a non-fast. Why do we, why do we put so much effort and so much energy into music, and, and why do we do that? And it, it is because, it's because we believe that we need to, to carry out the declaration of the name of our church, Influence that we want to influence the world. And one of the ways we do that is through music. And so we launched a record label. And people say, why do we do that? Because we want to influence the world. And God put his hand on it and, and blessed it with a number one album. And, 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 but it's the why behind it. Why do we do children? Why do we put so much emphasis on children and what we do with camps and so forth? And it's because one day when we started this church, there was a two-year-old. And that two-year-old is now eight years old. And that eight-year-old stands at the, at the stage and worships God with their hands lifted up. And I say, if we can raise up an eight-year-old who will turn into an 18-year-old, what are they going to be at 38? See, we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the future. And as we begin to pour into, in, into lives of people, the, the what, now it makes sense because it's the why. Because I want I want kids to grow up loving Jesus and believing in miracles? Why do we pray for miracles? Why do we get so risky and just say, we believe God heals today? 
because we don't want to raise up a generation who doesn't believe that God is still at work. And unfortunately, there are churches everywhere that have created a theology that prevents the miraculous workings of God in their life, in their midst. They say, oh, God doesn't do that anymore. Well, my Bible says he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Amen? And I don't want to believe in a God who doesn't work miracles. I want to believe in the God of the Bible. You know, when I, uh, uh, about three years ago, I was, uh, I had this, I'll call it a vision, a dream, I don't know what it was, just sitting on the front row, and, and, and there was this, I saw this scene where Jesus was sitting on a throne, and, it, and I was so far back, he was just like really small. And, I, and I, there was all these people in front of me, and I just was praying, God, I just want to be closer. I just want to be closer. And, and he said something very profound. Well, just come closer. Now, think about that. Just come closer. And I said, yes, I need to do that. Why didn't I think of that earlier, right? And so I come closer into this dream, and, and now I find myself very close to him, and, and now the throne is big, and he's full life size, and, and, and I just... Every, every Sunday, literally every Sunday this happens. I don't, it doesn't miss a Sunday. I sit there and I just say, what's the vision of you today? And I'll just kind of close my eyes and I'll get a picture of him. Sometimes he's just like sitting there just relaxing and just watching. And sometimes he's standing up clapping. And today I just had to laugh because he was up kind of dancing. You know, and a dancing Jesus is kind of funny, right? He's, but, but he's happy. He's happy in the midst of his children. He said, well, he doesn't know what I did. Yeah, he does. He's still dancing. You know why? Because he's got the end game in mind. He's not looking how you screwed up yesterday. He's looking at you and saying, no, I see so much more in you than you ever will see in you. And if you will just allow me, I will do that in you and through you in such a powerful way that it is going to just absolutely shake your world. As I was sitting here, and I didn't do this in the first service, but um, I was sitting there and God just spoke to me about, about students. So we've got a lot of students that are going to go away to college here pretty quick and we hate it we wish you would stay here but we know that you're following a dream and a goal and all those other things and so I just I wrote down literally a prophetic word a blessing that I want to have over everyone in the house but especially those of you who are going away to college but um let's let's get into the message here a little bit do you remember you remember going to those restaurants where they had the kids menu do you remember those right right they still have them right and remember they had something connect the dots and remember, there's a dot, and it had a one, and then there was another dot, and it had a two, and another dot over here, and it had a three, and a dot over here, and it had a number four. And, and, and when you're a kid, it's such an adventure because you, you go, I wonder what it is. It's the same elephant you drew last week. But you wonder what it is, but it's such a mystery, right? Because you want to hurry up and connect the dots so you get the picture of what's going on. And it's such a fun experience. Now, when you get older, you can just kind of look at the dots and go, yeah, it's a bird, you know? And it takes the joy out of it because you already know the answer before you start connecting the dots. God wants you to live always in connect-the-dot world. Now, here's a thought that God gave me. Believe, believe that the dots will connect as you move forward. So if I'm here, I don't know what it is yet. When I move here, I don't know what it is yet. Now, some of you are trying to see what I've, the, the picture I have up here. There is no picture. This is an illustration. You say, no, I, I see something. Yeah, we can talk about that later. Okay, now, then you go over here, 
And you go, and you start to put this picture together. But what you have to believe as a believer is you believe if you'll keep moving forward, as you connect the dots, it will bring clarity to your life. You see, what it means to walk in faith, it means that you connect the dots in a prescribed manner one by one, and the picture will become clear as you move down this journey of faith. If the picture were clear here, there would be no faith. God wants you to connect the dots. God wants you to get the picture, but what he really wants to do is develop you as a human being that you can walk by faith, not by sight, that you can see the marvelous things that God wants to do in you and through you, but he can only do that in you by faith. What I've been studying lately is this subject of persistence. Persistence. Now, a couple of years ago, I bought Tammy and I new bikes, and I wanted to buy the, we travel a a lot of the world, and so we traveled in Holland, and they have these great bikes, and and they're just beautiful bikes, and I went out and bought two of these bikes, and they were very expensive, and, and I've pretty much avoided riding them for the last three years. And, you know, so we got them out. We rode them last year. And what's with the seat? The bicycle seat. Who designed that narrow leather strip that you set on? See, what I want is like a tractor seat. You know, when the, the big wide ones with four springs on them, air holes in them. I mean, the whole thing, right? You get down with a bike. And I go, I'm not riding that bike. That thing is like I need a surgery when I get done. Something's got to be removed here. It's just awful. Now, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying what you're thinking. Now, some of you guys that are bikers, no, you just have to get used to it. Why would I want to get used to that feeling? Am I wrong? How many of you have had trouble with a bicycle seat? Just raise your hand. There, yeah, there's a guy named Brooks. He makes these English saddles. They're leather. They're expensive. I've got one. It's horrible. Horrible. Brooks, I don't wish him to go to hell, but he at least needs a trip through purgatory, right? For inventing that seat. But anyway, so we persevered. So yesterday we went out, we got the bikes out. And we, I persevered on 10 miles. Now, that may not seem like a lot for you, but I'm telling you what, that's like walking on water, splitting the Red Sea, building Noah's Ark. For me, that's on some big stuff. But what is persistence? Here's the one thing we find out. In the Bible, the people who made great strides for the kingdom were persistent. In, in the natural world, in the world that we live in, the people who make great strides in that world are persistent. So persistence is our topic today in this reality series. So I want to give you a quick definition. It means a firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. In other words, you refuse to give up. You say, I believe that somewhere down the road, The why and the what are all going to come together. We're going to see the picture, and it's going to make a difference. And I can tell you, you, if you start a business, if you start a family, if you start a church, it's always going to be more challenging and more difficult than you imagined. But if you will stay the course and be persistent, you're going to see something in the end that you look back on and go, you know, I didn't like the process, but I love the product because I persisted in going that way. So there's a, there's a writer, he's, uh, he's actually done the biography of, of many people like uh, Elon Musk, and uh, he's done uh, Einstein, Steve Jobs, and others. But I, I picked up his book, and here's one of the things he said. The biography of Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, and others have found what made paradigm-shifting creativity possible. 
paradigm shifting possible so that you look at something this way, but all of a sudden now you begin to look at it this way and you say, why can't we do this? You see, Elon Musk said, you know, I think PayPal would be a great way for me to have a business, start to, you know, get, make it convenient for people to, to, to do product and all of that kind of stuff, and that funded then SpaceX. That funded then, as he went through this process, it funded something called Tesla. And then his new company called the Boring Company, which is literally a boring uh, instrument that was going to take and take a tunnel from there, uh, from L.A. up to San Francisco. He's going to bore in the bottom of the earth and create what's called a hyperloop. Uh, uh, that's different than a loop. A loop is just a train that goes through something. A hyperloop creates the vacuum. It literally sucks it through there so they can go at a greater speed. He didn't come up with the idea. It was actually Tesla who did in the 1800s. He envisioned a hyperloop that would go around the equator at 1,000 miles an hour. Tesla, now Elon Musk says, I think we can get it up to 600. There's no friction, and there's a vacuum that creates the draw. Who thinks of that? So anyway, he's writing, and he's talking about all these, these, these people that have just done creativity, and here's what he came up with. Here's what they had in common. Creativity comes from the merger of arts and science. So what he found out is some of these most creative people in the world were not just scientists, they were poets, they were artists. In their own right, they were merging some things together that brought something new and fresh to, to, the, to the forefront. And then he said, creators have humility and tolerance. Isn't it interesting that Elon Musk does not have a company named Elon Musk? PayPal. SpaceX. Tesla, the boring company. You see, it's never about you if you're going to make a big difference in the world. It's going to be bigger than that because creation is a team spirit. It's a team sport. It's something you do together because we believe that we're better together than we are apart. You know, the starting of this church, there were days, literally every day sometimes, where we just said, this is too hard, we've got to, let's just forget it, it's not going to work. But the persistence allows me the pleasure of standing here today looking to your faces and know how your lives have been changed and how you're changing other lives, how you're using your gifts, your tools, uh, all those things that you have for the kingdom of God to bless your family, to bless your friends, to, to be better at work, to all those other things because we persevered six years later. Amen? And it wasn't just Tammy and I. It was many of you were part of that journey in the early days, and, but now you're part of the journey at this point. So you're still, it's all about this team. And what do we see down the road? And when I begin to look and I close my eyes and I see 18-year-olds, wild worshipers jumping up and down, I go, yes, Jesus, this is why we, because I want them excited about this, not excited about something else. Oh, they can be excited. They can go to a sporting event. They can go to the concert, and they can get excited. But I want the heartbeat of their very soul to be Jesus, just to be Jesus, to be excited about it. And then when they raise up children, they're going to raise up twice the fanatics they have. You think, you're, you think I'm crazy. Wait till you see what you get. Amen? Because that's how you're going to change the world. That's how you're going to influence people for Jesus Christ. He wrote this in his book, Eigenson uh, said, he said, um, the impossible becomes probable in the mind of the true creative soul. But you need to work with others to transform your passion into reality. I don't know how to get there, but if I can, if I can team up with some people, that combined effort, hey, guess what? 
God said, let us create man in our image. Let me say it again. God said, let us create man in our image. He spoke to the Father. The Father spoke of the Son and the Spirit, and one being three persons said, let us make man in our image. See the team sport right there? Isn't that interesting? I love uh, post-it notes. How many of you know what post-it notes are? Everybody know what a post-it note is? Some of you wouldn't raise your hand if I gave you $1,000, would you? I'll give you $1,000 if you raise your hand. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Okay, now, okay, post-it notes. You know how they came about? So post-it notes was a guy that went to this very liturgical kind of church that used hymnals. Remember the hymnals? Okay. So they had the hymnal, and they would put the numbers up, and he, what he liked to do was take the little bookmark, because they had bookmarks for, for hymnals, and you would take and stick it in there to the next one so you could be ready to fire off that next song as quick as possible, right? At about 70 words a, a, a minute. Okay, now, 70 beats a minute. So now, all of a sudden, he said, i got to do something. So he works for 3M. I'm going to get some sticky stuffs that I have at work, put it on the back of that deal, and see if I can get it to stick, and I can yet take it off. He said, I tore up dozens of hymnals before I got the, the substance right, but he got a team around him. He said, we need to figure out how to, to get a hymnal marker so I just you know, on our spare time. And so out of that came post-it notes. He saw a problem. He got a team. He solved it, and it went bigger than he ever thought. That's what God wants to do with you. The reason that we talk about that, that this church is different than a lot of churches, we realize that because what we really try to do is we want the worship to just be crazy, good, overwhelming, Holy Spirit, fill the room. We want the word to be solid, but we also want to take some of the best business practices that are out there so that you become better at what you do. If all we do is become a, a bigger church, what have we accomplished? We want to take you, we want you to be developed, we want you to be challenged, we want you to go forward and go, I will be a better businessman, I will be a better doctor, I'll be a better student, I'll be better, better, better. I will not be satisfied with the bottom 10%, I want to be in the upper 10%. And if we can bring that challenge to you, then we're going to look at that mountain and we're going to go, yes, we can achieve the great mountains of the world. Yeah, we can make a difference in the world. And then when, when those, those conversations come that we, that we get a place at the table because we have proven ourselves excellent, now somebody listens to us because we have something to say. That's what we want to do. He went on to say this, and this is the one that really caught my Creators must be passionate and able to distort reality. Distort reality. Isn't that what miracles are? Isn't that what great accomplishments are? See, we're so used to reality and everything by the five senses, we say, well, that's not possible. It's not possible for you because you just made a declaration that's not possible. What if you don't make that declaration? What if you make the declaration was, I don't see why we can't do that. Let's figure out how to do it. If we don't have the right team, let's get the team in place. Let's invite. Let's talk about it. Let's do this, 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 and this. And let's see what God can do in the midst of all of that. Amen? You see, you have to be able to break boundaries and blow up existing paradigms. If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me something wouldn't work, I'd be millionaire. Right? Have you ever had the, the br most brilliant idea you've ever had in your mind? You tell somebody and go, yeah, I, I don't think that'll work, I, or I tried that. Have you ever had that happen? Anybody ever had that happen? Raise your hand. You had that happen. Well, here's what you do. Just slap them in Jesus' name. Knock it off. Little faith. Tired of you talking like that. You didn't try hard enough. You didn't persevere. You gave up. 
Well, they said to Edison before he got the light bulb, a thousand times before he got the right one, it was over a thousand tries. He said, no, I just found a thousand ways not to do it. See, most people give up two or three. Oh, it doesn't work. Persistence, persistence. I want you to get this in your mind. Persistence combined with knowledge can be an unstoppable force. So here's the, here's the principles. Now, here's the first one. Persist in the face of difficulty. If it's difficult, then you must persist. If it's easy, it's probably not a path you need to pursue. Do you hear me? Everybody wants the easy path. Everybody wants instant success. Everybody looks at the super successful. You know what they do? They go, well, he just had the lucky break. No, he worked 100 hours a week. You, work, you do the, the hours of two and a half people, you might get more success in life. Come on. Do you hear me? You say, well, I just want an easy work week. I want to work like 25, 30. Well, you'll get 25, 30 hours worth of produce out of that. You say, well, I, I, gotta work, I got family and I got this, I got that. Okay, then figure out the balance. Find the place, but persist in what you do. Here's what Jesus said, Luke chapter 11, verse 9. I say to you, ask, say ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, say seek, and you will find. Knock, say knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So I started looking at those words. What does ask mean? You ever ask somebody for something? You know, sometimes I'm hesitant to ask people for something. I think, you know, I'm going to bother them or, you know, I'm embarrassed or, you know, you know. But every time somebody asks me for something, I find a way to help out. Don't you? I mean, I may, I may have to say I wish I could and you really mean it. Or you say, well, I, think I can't do that, but I can do this. It's almost like they're honoring you when they ask you for something. Because they look at you as a person of resource a person of strength, somebody who can play a part in their team effort to get somewhere. And if you have to say, honestly, I can't buy into that one, or I, but I'll certainly pray for you, encourage you, or whatever, or I can't do the whole thing, I can do part of that, there's something about it, you see, because ask means to expect or demand something of someone. Jesus looked at some disciples or some fishermen, and he wanted to make disciples of them. He said, hey, come follow me. He made an ask, and guess what they did? They followed. They were honored to follow after Jesus. When Jesus asks you something, you consider it an honor. Don't say that's a burden. No, that's an honor. Seek means to reach out after something. Knock means to strike a service. This is the one that really got me. To strike a service noisily to attract attention, especially when waiting to be laid in through the door. Now, hold that thought. Go back to the scripture I just read. You know the context of it? The story is a parable, and it's a guy who had some friends show up late at night, and he didn't have bread for them. And in that culture, it was considered kind of a dishonor if you couldn't take care of your guest. He remembered his friend next door. He went over and he knocked on the door and he used this word knock. And this word is not the word that means a little tap. It's the word that means with the knuckles. The, the emphasis in the Greek is to use the knuckles to really get attention. The guy, he looks out the window and he goes, my kids are sleeping. Shh, go away. This Greek word means keep on knocking, knock and keep on knocking. He comes out again, will you be quiet? 
This is hurting me more than it's hurting you, I guarantee you. All right. Will you please be quiet? Then here's what it says. He did not give him bread because he asked or because he was his friend. He gave him bread because he was tired of hearing him knock and wanting him to go away. Now, here's the application. Who is the one that is going to give the bread in the story? It's a picture of God. You're the one outside asking, seeking, knocking. If you go and you knock once, he says, go away, and you go, oh, I'm sorry to offend you. I'm going to go away. If you ask God one time with no emotion, he's going to say they're not serious. See, God says, I'm not going to give you what you ask. I'm going to give you what you persevere in. Easy prayer, easy answer. No. That's why when people say, well, I tried that, I go, you're already on the other list. No, you say, I'm going to keep praying and trusting and believing until I see the answer or until God gives me new direction in my life. But I'm not going to stop. Everything significant in your life, if you look back on it, will be because you worked hard and you persevered in it. And in the kingdom of God, it is no different at all. Listen to a couple of things here. As I thought about this, uh, this knocking, I thought, you're supposed to be on the other side of the door. If I'm on this side knocking, God is saying, you're supposed to be over here. I want you to live your life on the other side of the door in the dimension of faith, in the dimension of the kingdom of God, in the dimension where I work and where I have all the resources. You know, I don't want you spending your life out here knocking. Then I had another thought. It was the resources are all on the other side. So when I get open up the door and I go, oh, my gosh, look, this is so easy. Every time I've, se- I've persevered, seen God's resources, it was like, it's so easy. Once I got on the other side of the door, it was so easy. Because, you see, I have to believe that they're there before I knock. I have to believe the door will open before I knock. If I go to the door and I go, I know God probably won't answer this prayer, but I'm going to pray anyway, you will never see an answer to your prayer. Do you believe it? You've got to believe it before you see it in order for you to receive it. I love this. Uh, this came from the late, uh, Leadership uh, Program, University of Michigan, largely produced uh, the genius behind Google. This is what they say. Lead with integrity, disregard the impossible, and do something extraordinary. Don't you love that? Let's look at it. Lead with integrity, disregard the impossible. We can't do that. Well, you're not on the team. You like it, didn't you? Do something what? Ordinary. No, what? What? I can't hear you. Let, let, let's make that into two words. Let's take the, the first five letters out, and let's make two words out of that. Extra what? That's what extraordinary is. I'm gonna, everybody's doing the ordinary. I'm going to do the extraordinary. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to go the extra way. I'm going to take everything to a new level. And then open your eyes. So I'm, I'm reading in 2 Kings 6, and, uh, and this story is uh, where Elisha, he's uh, there with his servant, and the servant says, uh, oh, all the foreign armies are here. They're circling around us. They're going to kill us. And Elisha doesn't seem to be worried. 
You see, when you walk by faith, you're not worried by your circumstances. If your, work, if your circumstances are bothering you, you're not walking by faith. It's just a good test. Am I fearful that I'm not walking by faith? Because those two do not cohabitate. They don't get along well. That's water and oil. Okay, now watch what happens here. So he says, he looks at his servant, he says, do not fear. You ever heard anybody tell that? Hey, don't be afraid. Yeah, easy for you to say, right? When our daughter was little, you know, I, we'd pray, and she said I was scared, and, and, uh, and I'd say, well, you know, or no, she'd say it hurts. And I said, well, I don't feel anything. She said, well, it's not on you, Daddy. See, sometimes we say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I don't. But I do know one who does. His name is Jesus, and he said, don't fear. So don't take my word, but you can take his. Do not fear. Look what the prophet says. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant's looking around. He doesn't see anybody. What do you mean more with us and with them? I don't see anything. And then look what Elisha does here. Look what he says. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Do you realize that every, everything that you need is right here? You just have to open your eyes. You have to have the spiritual insight to see what it is. If you're living in this, in this world of limitation, in this world of the ordinary, you'll never see the extraordinary. You'll never see the provision of God. So he says, all right, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes, a young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around. Do you realize the horses and, uh, and chariots and all the soldiers were there all the time? They didn't just appear because he prayed. Do you realize that you're surrounded by, the, by, by angelic beings? Do you realize you're surrounded by Almighty God himself? Do you realize that every resource you need is right here? You just have to have the eyes to see what God wants you to see. I never will see what God wants me to see if I live with limitations. And I tell you what, it'll scare you to death when you start walking by faith. There are times when I say, God's going to do this, God's going to believe it, and then I'm, that little voice inside of me going, that's stupid, Phil, why did you say that? Now everybody's going to ask you about it. Have you ever done that? This is what God's going to do, and then you're sorry because everybody remembers it. Like your mom. Moms never forget anything. What is the deal with that? My dad, he can forget everything. My mom, she doesn't forget anything. Your friends will do that. When you tell them God's going to do something, they're going to, you know why they're asking you? They're not asking you to try to be annoying, even though they are. That's not why they're asking. They're asking you because they want to know, is God working in your life? If he's working in your life, maybe he'll work in mine. That's really the motive. I, I want to know, does that stuff work? If faith works, I want to get in on it. And faith is always a mystery. I don't understand the timing. I don't understand the why. I don't have the answers, but I'm not going to stop because I don't know all the answers. I'm going to keep persevering in all of this. Ian e. Bounds, a uh, great, uh, great man of, of prayer and faith, he said, a persistent spirit brings a man to the place where faith takes hold, claims, and appropriates the blessings. Persistent. There it is again. Now, how about this idea of distort reality? I love this. Distort reality. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do you realize if you don't walk by faith, you're not pleasing God? Do you realize that you can start walking by faith this second, and you can walk out of faith in one second? So here's what you do. How do I keep that? I said, God, I'm going to walk in faith. I'm not going to know where I'm going, and all of a sudden something will slip in, drag you back down, go, no, God, I'm going to walk in faith. 
I'm gonna, I don't know the answer. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to walk in faith. And every time you just keep going back, I'm going to refuse to doubt, refuse to doubt, refuse to doubt. If you have to say it out loud, say it, I refuse to doubt. I refuse to doubt. I'm going to trust God. Now watch what happens here. For he, uh, he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, that is, crave after, demand, or seek him. Do you realize that God wants to reward you for your faith? He's not going to reward you for your tears, your complaining, your professional degrees. He's going to reward you for faith. In the kingdom, the exchange rate is faith. It's the currency of the realm. God loves faith. Let's think about it. God loves faith. God loves faith. When your kids are little, they believe you can do anything. They will crush a toy in a million pieces. They'll look at you and go, Daddy, fix it. I say, you go to bed, and I'll take care of it. And I go to the store, and I buy another one. I, I mean, this is what a wise father does. I just want you to know. Some of that stuff is unfixable. But you know what I love about kids is they believe you can. They don't really care how you do it. They just want it done. Right? If you're really wise, when you go Christmas shopping, buy two of everything. You can always take one back if they don't destroy it. But we got two grandsons, and they get trucks, and their goal is to destroy the trucks before the day is over. They always are successful. Fix it. When you look at the Father and say, I believe that you can fix it, I don't care how you do it. I don't know what the process or the resources you're going to use. I just want you to fix it. That's faith. I believe you will fix it. Instead of looking at God going, I know you don't want to fix this. I don't know how you're going to fix it. You don't have to know how. You want to believe that he is who he says he is. God says, I am the God who takes care of you. He, must, he that comes to God must believe that he is. He is the God of the Bible, and that he is a rewarder. This is another your faith. He is a rewarder. God wants to reward you. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. You're an amateur. You're an amateur. You always, we always want to put up how bad we are or what we failed at. But trust me, probably most of you, some of you may be experts, but most of you are amateurs when it comes to failure. You realize that God is no respecter of persons. If he rewards one, he'll reward another, reward you. Say, so why, why don't you say, I just like to have that reward, God. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. Oswald Chambers said this, leave the broken, irreversible past in God's hands. Step in, step out into the invincible future with him. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do an exercise. It might seem a little juvenile to you, a little, but I want you to stand up. Okay, and I want you to think of something right now that's keeping you from moving forward. It'll be something in your past. Okay, you got it? Could be a person, could be a thought, could be an action, an attitude, could be anything. You, do you have it? Now, I want you just to grab it like this, like you pretend like you're holding it in your hand. Okay, I just hold it up there. If you're not doing this, I assume you have no past. You are just a vapor. Okay. Okay, you got it in your hand. Now, what we're going to do, and I want to explain before we do this, 
we're going to throw it behind us. Now, it, does, it doesn't going to catch. The guy behind it ain't going to catch it. It's not going to. It's not contagious, all right? You got me? Okay, so you got it here, but things that are behind you don't impede your future. Right? If it's behind me, I don't worry about it. That's why you get a little bitty mirror on a car and a great big windshield. Imagine if you had a little bitty windshield and a great big mirror. It's hard to drive. You're trying to drive with a great big mirror and a little windshield. So you're going to take it now. Now what we're going to do, I want to make sure you got something. The one thing that's keeping you that comes to mind, and what you're going to do is you're just going to say, I'm throwing this behind me. And I want you just to take physically and just do it. Just throw it behind you. Throw it behind you. Okay. All right. Faith says it's behind me. You know, that's where God puts all that stuff. He puts it behind you. I uh, I wrote this uh, prophetic blessing that I want to share with you today. So I'm going to ask you, especially if you're going away to college, but I want to ask every person a spirit of persistence, an impartation of persistence. I want you just to come up here to the front, and I'm going to pray over you. We're going to do this blessing together. Every person in the room that feels like, I just want to have that in my life. You don't have to be a college student. Trust me. Just come on in. Come quickly. I don't want you to, I don't have to wait. Got it? Squeeze in here, guys. Now, I apologize. I'm going to have this on the screen, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this, and I want you just to say it out loud, okay? God has created me with a spirit of persistence. I am an overcomer, a warrior, a prince with God. You had trouble with that one. A prince with God. Nothing will deter me from my destiny. I receive a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. I walk with the authority and the power of Jesus. I will do extraordinary things in Jesus' name. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. Amen. Now, we're going to sing this, this song together. And as we do, I want you to make a declaration. All right? And the declaration is, whatever you're believing God for, whatever you want to see God do, I want you just to declare it. And you do that just during this song. You can just say, I declare this thing to be true. I declare this thing. That's faith. That's modeling faith. Amen? All right, so let's just listen. Let's sing the song.
declaration is a prophetic word that you speak from your mouth saying, that's where I'm going. Persistence will keep you on that course. Faith will be honored in that persistence and that decision of declaration. Amen?